I'm, I, I mean, I'm teaching him right now to be, you know, self-sufficient. I'm not going to use the, the phrase, you know, self-made, but just um, I'm kind of instilling that pride in him to get up on your own two feet and figure it out. It's Dad's Night. Welcome back to another episode of Dad's Night Presents Time Out with Omar and Samer. Here with me is my co-host Omar, and today we have a big, big episode for you and a huge guest. Um, Omar, how you feeling, man? It's fucking dad's night once again. Uh, we got we got a late night dad's night this time, which I like. Mm. Everybody's everybody's sipping their uh, their tea, their coffee to keep us going. So I'm excited, man. Kelvin, not only uh, excited to interview but interview you, but just to talk to you again on a personal level. I missed you, buddy. No, I miss y'all too, man. For real. So that that's Kelvin, Kelvin McNeil, and he is our third guest, but. He is the original dad, the OD. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Kelvin, man. How you feeling tonight? Yo, I'm feeling tired, fellas. You know, that dad's <laughs> life will wear you down. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what were you up to before this, man? Were your, uh, do you have your kids tucking you into bed or something over there? What was <laughs> no, man, right, I mean, literally right before this, I was, it's funny, because I was literally uh, giving KJ his shower with one arm. Ruth was like handling the laundry. Uh, Carmen walked past me with a Lego in her mouth. Uh, <laughs> this is serious. So I'm bathing KJ with the right hand, reach, get the Lego out of Carmen's mouth with the left. And yeah, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, um, I know we got this podcast later on tonight, but this is everyday life. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can only imagine the nonsense that you see that you see every day. Uh, is, is Carmen walking now? Yeah, Carmen's walking. She's she's talking. She can not read, but she can you know repeat after the books that we you know read to her time and time after again. So her her first words were probably "Mom," weren't they? It's funny. Her first words were "self." Self. Her first word was self. Yeah. Self. Self-made billionaire right there. That's what I'm <laughs> I like that. Self, man. She was like, it's all about me. <laughs> Who? <Right>. Who is it? <laughs> me. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, Kelvin, obviously, thank you again for joining. Um, I go, this is the third person on the show, and I go back with you to 2008, right? Summer of 2008 when I first met you at University of Delaware. Went to school together, played ball together. I remember the first time I met you, I was like, man, I'm going to play for the UD basketball team. And you looked at this <laughs> little 150-pound Arab, and you said, you're going to play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've come a long way, man, and I honestly consider you one of my brothers. So, again, so happy to have you on and uh, be able to tell your story on Dad's Night. No, for sure. I appreciate y'all having me, man. I can't wait to – you know, drop some jewels, keep it real, keep it raw. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's that's what it's all about. But but before we get into that, all right, so you are the OD, again, the <laughs> original dad. And so back a few years ago, we kind of touched on this a little bit. Back a few years ago, we went out, us three, for that original dad's night. And we wanted to hear from you what that dad's night was about, how it went, and just tell everyone on the show kind of like what your take was it what your take was after that night yeah because you know? it, it didn't it didn't yeah. start as a dad's night right you know it, it, <laughs> yeah so, 
No, I mean, I definitely, for starters, um, you guys finally dragged me out of the house. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I don't even remember how KJ, how old KJ was. He might've been one. And um, yeah, it's it had probably been, you know, four or five months since I had actually went out, maybe a year since I went out by myself. So, you know, going over to Omar's house, I think you had a few friends there from, from Dubai. Maybe I think like the Prince of Egypt was there or something. <laughs> no, but, and then, you know, drinking with you guys. And then we went to some taco spot and um, ordered the, you know, bottom shelf tequila. And we're just throwing <laughs> shots, that shit back. And next thing I know, I caught myself like, oh, man, it's getting late. Uh, I, I might need to go home. Next thing I know, we pop out at like two or three other spots in the city. And it was just a really fun night, man. And it was a night that uh, I felt like I got a chance to, you know, let loose a little bit. And um, yeah, it felt like a long time coming since, you know, I actually got a chance to have some fun with some friends. Mm -hmm. And we, we saw Dave East that night too. Didn't we? Right, right, man. Uh, we saw Dave East at Howard Theater. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, there were there were a lot of stops in there. I'm not there were. surprised. We, that we, we hit a lot of spots, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, uh, we ended up going to American Ice down in uh, on the, mm. in the U Street corridor, and we go to that one bar, and the bouncer's like, "What are what are y'all doing out?" And I was like, "It's Dad's night. It's fucking That's where Dad's it came night." From. And then, and then he goes, the guy goes, are y'all all dads? And we look at you, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're all dads. <laughs> we're like, yeah, it was like tonight. Yeah, we're all dads. Yeah, it, yeah, no, that's, it's hilarious. That's how it started. Samer was just yelling at everyone on the street. Yeah. Not just, not just at, you know, at like the doormen at bars. He was yelling at anybody that walked by. He was like, it's fucking dad's night as, <laughs> as he was as he was shooting air threes on him too <laughs> oh man definitely definitely a good night for real yeah that was fun and out of that we actually you know we told everyone about that and we told them your story and how much fun we had and it wasn't really taking a break from being a father it was just making sure that you remember that hey you're you're still friends with us you're still family um, you know, we didn't want you to get lost and you're still yourself, even though you're a father. No, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and it was, it was interesting kind of like recalling some of the conversations that we had and, and, you know, I was, I was thinking back on it and I was like, never once did I hear, you know, oh, you know, I, I haven't been out in so long. Like when you look back on it now, you're like, oh, wow, I hadn't been out in a year and it was nice to <laughs> yeah. out, but but while we were out, I mean, there was no, oh, I haven't been out or any kind of like complaining or anything like that about, you know, having to just like kind of be in that place in your life um, that you were in, that you happened to be in. And, and you know, with this one-year-old, KJ was one at the time, I think you said. And uh, that was cool to me. You know, it wasn't like kind of complaining about, you know, it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go home. I gotta head home. It was really just very natural. I mean, you were just kind of that, that was who you were then, you know, you kind of became that person and it was cool to see that it was cool. I think it's refreshing, you know, when, when it's not just all about like, Oh, I just need a, you know, I need a night away from the kids and I need a night away from the wife because it's like that part of your life's not going away. 
Yeah, it's no, still, ever. There. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick short break for a message from our sponsors. Thanks again for joining another episode of Time Out with Omar and Samer. We know you probably have your hands full at home these days between your kids whiling out on all your Zoom meetings and taking another long walk to the fridge. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, the easier the better. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free and there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now it's back to timeout. Let's let's start talking about you a little bit more, Kel. I mean, you're a father of two now. Um, and again, I know you from way back. Uh, you started your basically your career after college as a professional basketball player. Um, then you started working with both of us. Now you moved down to Atlanta. So kind of tell this uh, kind of tell the listeners kind of your story and where you are today. Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into some other questions that we have. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm not going to be too long winded. So I'm going to fast forward to just the good, you know, the good spot. And, um, I'll say, like you said, I'm a father of two. Um, I got a chance, I got the opportunity to play professional basketball overseas for about two years. And, um, you know, my second year over there is when I really got a chance to get close with Ruth. You know, we FaceTimed every night. We prayed every night. Um, you know, we just spent all day on the phone, really getting to know one another, no longer on, a, you know, physically, but mentally and spiritually. Mm. And then, uh, I came home and I remember our season ended early. We literally just missed the playoffs, came home like April. No, I think I came home in May, first week of May. Um, and then three weeks later, we find out Ruth is pregnant mm. and, um, at the time, I just told my agent that I wasn't going back. I had my, I got, you know, I got my master's um, that May as well. Um, and in my head, I, I, I felt like I no longer needed, you know, my body um, to make money or to make a, make a living. And I wanted to start using my mind. I was applying for hella jobs, going on interviews, killing it. And man, nothing was coming through. Um, and, you know, I was, I was sitting on, I wasn't, you know, financially stressed because I didn't have any bills, number one. And at the same time, I was living at home with my mom. Um, but, you know, again, we had just found out Ruth was pregnant. We hadn't told anybody. This wasn't something that we planned for. You know, we, we didn't know what to do, in all honesty. Um, you know, she was still grinding at work. And, you know, it wasn't until uh, she started to show where it was, where it started to get stressful for me, where it was like, man, I, I need to get a job. I remember calling my agent back, like, yo, are those teams still interested in signing me? You know, what, what's up? He's like, yeah, um, you know, but you leave in August. And I'm like, Pfft. and then it just hit me like, man, I can't go back overseas and miss my son's birth or miss my child's birth. We didn't even know it was a boy at the time. Like, I can't, you know, but I can't not make money and provide. And I, I remember um, taking a job at a, uh, a gym in Maryland where um, I was actually a, I was actually doing like a little bit of janitor work, front desk support, and just cleaning the equipment in the gym. 
And at the same time, I was doing an internship in BC for free, no money, just to have some um, like office skills on my resume. Fast forward a little bit, like I said, I'm not trying to be too long-winded. You know, I hit up my bro Samer, and it took everything in me to even ask him if he could, you know, help me out. And I'm getting chills right now. Excuse me. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dazai, baby. We're getting real here. <laughs> cool. No, but just getting chills because it was like, um, I, at that time in my life, I had so much going on. So for bro to look out for me, you know, hand my resume in. <laughs> It was like a lifesaver. Oh yeah, man. Hell You're yeah. my brother, dog. That's that's what it's about. It's about it's about taking care of one another. Yeah, uh, for sure, for man. Sure. So it's a long story short, let me catch myself. <laughs> Y'all can edit this out. Nah. <laughs> the OD, the OD coming with it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, nah, but I was really going through a lot, man. And um so, you know, Samer, you know, hands my resume in. You know, I get the opportunity to uh, come in for an interview. You know, I thought I murdered it. And, uh, you know, dealt, you know, the company gave me an opportunity. And it was like, wow, you know, I'm a salaried employee. Um, I no longer have to, you know, run and jump when somebody else says, you know, run and jump. Mm-hmm. You know, I can start using my mind, trying to build a career. And I took that opportunity extremely serious. Um, you know, day and night, I was focused on my craft, um, you know, to learn the industry, to make sure, you know, I set a good example for uh, Samer, who gave me the opportunity, and just, you know, make sure that I knew I couldn't get fired and I couldn't lose my job because uh, my family and my <laughs> unborn son, you know, needed me. I mean, Start listen, off. and if, if they hadn't, if they hadn't, fired Samer, there's no way you were going to get fired because he definitely didn't know <laughs> the entire time I was there. That's <laughs> Oh, man. Yo, that's, I mean, first of all, yes, Omar. I mean, let's not act like you're not in that boat, too. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I, mean, I did share an office with the both of you, so, yeah. We, we, we had a good time. But, Kelvin, I mean, you went through a lot. I mean, yeah, and. No, um, it was a lot. There was, it was a- it, Go ahead. It was a lot, man. And like, like you said, it was a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, to fast forward to where we are now, it makes me that much more appreciative. Uh, you know, like, our, you know, my wife, Ruth, you know, she's nothing short of, a, you know, amazing. Um, you know, but every now and then, you know, women do what they do. You know, they complain. <laughs> and I caught her complaining the other day about, you know, not being able to get out, not being able to do anything, you know, because of, in the current situation, um, you know, in the world with coronavirus. And she was like, you're not, you know, stressed or you don't feel like, you know, this is a lot. I was like, bro, we were in DC, you know, stressed financially, stressed trying to figure out what was going on. We lived in, you know, a room that was the size of our living room in our house right now. And yeah, like, 
I, I, there's no way I could possibly be stressed right now. Mm. We have everything that we could ever want. Like back then, I wished to be where I am now, and I'm mm. here now. So anything after this is just extra. Absolutely, man. That's a that's you honestly know. a great perspective to have. Uh, exact like coming from where you were to where you are today. I know as your friend, I'm proud of you and. Uh, you, you touched on a few things, though, you, when you were kind of telling us and crying a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but one of, the, one of the things that you talked about was when you first found out, it was kind of like, oh, uh, well, you know, well, it'll kind of work out. But then the reality check really happened when you first saw um, Ruth showing. Um, you know, what, what really was going through your mind the first time, like, that, that reality check I mean, what, what were you going through to make you say, okay, I really got to turn this shit on? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, I came home with a plan, you know, not to say I'm a, I'm a huge planner, but I definitely like to plan out, you know, my next moves. So my thought process was, you know, I'll come home, um, I'll get a good job, live at home, my mom, really stack up this bread. Mm -hmm. um you know get completely out of debt you know as far as the student loans that i had from you know getting my masters um so get out of student loan debt like i said stack up um i had all intentions on proposing the roof and you know being engaged for a year or two and just enjoying her like we just spent a whole year apart from one another and um, it was an opportunity to be in the city of D.C., mm-hmm. be, with, be with my friends, you know. Uh, we got a plethora of friends in the Northeast. So having everybody, you know, accessible, getting to see them, being around my mom, it was, that was my whole plan of just enjoying life. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't wait to party, et cetera, et cetera, go on trips. So to come home, and kind of immediately get hit with, you know, life-changing news while I had already decided I was going to step away from, you know, the game of basketball, which was my life at the time. It was, uh, it was a lot, you know, to say the least. Um, I remember, you know, not to say too much, but I remember that was the first time in my life I was really experiencing anxiety. And, and I remember when people used to tell me, Oh, you know, they had, they had anxiety or they had anxiety attacks. I used to think they were just like crazy. I'm like, man, if you want to suck it up and get on. And then it was like, oh, wow, this is what this anxiety feels like. You can't even control it. You know, so it was just, it was just a lot going on mentally, physically. And it was all because um, it was completely unplanned for. That's, that's a great, that's a, I mean, that's crazy because one of the things that we talked about with our other guests too is, you know, is the, the whole planning process for being a dad, is it critical? And you are a planner, but it also sounds like you had a vision for yourself, vision for you and Ruth prior to the kids coming along. And that had to shift really quickly. Um, so it was almost like, you know, did you kind of, were you kind of upset when you first found out or were you kind of like, man, why, why is this happening or whatever it is? Kind of what, what went through your brain immediately? 
and it's, well. it's crazy like i <clears throat> sorry sorry to cut you off but it's it's crazy you were samuel you were you were talking about how he really turned it on um kind of right away and uh you know i remember seeing that at work i actually <laughs> remember kind of like right it was kind of like an overnight thing uh you really like came in and, and you really you know were kind of trying to to turn it up and and really like kick things into gear uh you know more so than you have been before not that you weren't always you know on your hustle but um you know it was it was very apparent from the outside looking into and it was a very inspiring thing to see to be honest with you and knowing why as well you know knowing that you were doing it because you knew you had this new responsibility seeing that i mean it was super inspiring man it made me even even as you know somebody in that place in my in my life at the time it was still like wow you know i gotta kick this shit up too man like (laughs) it's an inspiring thing to see that fire inside of somebody yeah no i mean for sure and i'm not about to sit up here and relate my story at all to a movie but like the pursuit of happiness is one that comes to mind now granted that is a um you know extremely stressed out i can't even imagine that type of life or situation that you know they went through in that movie but it was just similar mindset and in mode like it was it was like hey i know i'm coming in at a disadvantage um you know a lot of these folks in this office know what in the world is going on here i am i just i got hired as basically an it consultant and and a business analyst and a IT company, and I don't even know what the difference is between software and hardware. <laughs> so, I need to figure this thing out. So yeah, no, that's that's great. And I, Omar, you touched on it. The why your why changed, right? And it changed fast. Before it was like me and my girl, we're going to do these things, and now it's this child for me and her and really our family that we're gonna grow, that I'm responsible for and I wanna provide for them. Yeah, man, and and that's, and I'll say that, like, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to, you know, the other interviews in full, but I'm sure as you guys interview dads and the dads that are listening to this, you know, they can, they can easily, you know, um, relate to the fact that, you know, as a dad, and I'm sure one day when you guys are dads, you'll see, your window of opportunity to adjust to the current situation is is minimal. Mm. You know, for example, um, I, I even if you know not to continue to bring up the coronavirus, but you know, there's a lot of people right now that are just now settling into. All right, what you know, what does this home work life look like? Like, what do we need to do? The moment there was an opportunity that the country might shut down. I had to pull. I had to make a decision within two days of whether or not we needed to pull KJ out of, you know, uh, daycare, um, or face paying an additional twelve hundred dollars at the beginning of the next month, whether he was in school or not. Immediate decision. We had to immediately order diapers, order pull-ups, order wipes, order toilet paper, order all the essentials we needed and immediately get on have a game plan of how we would grocery shop how we would protect ourselves what we needed to you know have in the house that we knew was essential i mean it was this was a 
you know, a, a 24, 48-hour turnaround that we had to adjust to to make sure that we got ahead of the wave before everybody else figured out they need to be stocked up and equipped for what's to come. Absolutely. Damn, yeah, that's – and that's why we are doing this <laughs> this podcast because that – that window of opportunity you're talking about, I mean, it, it goes by quick, right? It closes quick. And so being able to adjust as a dad, especially since, and you know, to people that don't know you, you're, you're turning 30 in what, a couple of days, right? And so, Four days. yeah. So, um, you know, knowing that as someone that's, you know, kind of a veteran, your kid's almost going to be turning five soon. Uh, kind of veteran in the game, but trying to be able to adjust that quickly as a dad, thinking dad first, parent first, um, is essential to your success. And, you know, I, obviously I commend you because you're one of the best dads I know. So <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yeah it's, cool. yeah. it's cool to hear where, you know, like you were saying before too, like you just kicked it into gear. Like it's like survival mode, uh, kind of, and like your instincts just kind of like guide you there. So it's, it's very, very cool to hear. Um, I, I want to I go back to something you mentioned earlier, um, and you got a little choked up about it, and I, and I, <laughs> I, but I thought it was a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, you, you talked about how you had to put aside your pride when you were asking for help, you know, even though in that case, it was somebody that, you know, you, it was Samer, you've been teammates, best friends, um, and, you know, you, you said that that was a difficult thing to, to put aside that, that pride. And, you know, I can definitely relate, you know, being, being proud. I hate asking for help. Uh, it's really a last resort. Um, but, you know, would you, how, how, would, you, how would you teach uh, that kind of lesson to your, to your kid, you know, to your son or to your daughter? Uh, you know, in, in asking people for help, I mean, it sounds like you really needed it, right? And it's not always a bad thing. I mean, sometimes we can't do things on our own in life. Uh, and, you know, obviously somebody maybe taught us, you know, the opposite at some point because we really don't like asking for help, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely a good question. I mean, and I'm, I have a, for those that don't know, you know, like Sam said, I have a four-year-old son. He turned four in February. Uh, my daughter is one. She turned one in November. Um, so I raised my children, unfortunately, a little different, right? My voice sounds a little different when I talk to my son versus my daughter. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can, I can say with my son more so because he's at the age now where I'm starting to try to instill, you know, um, behaviors in him and, you know, life lessons or, or that type of, you know, we're just at that stage right now where I'm, I'm just trying to be that type of dad with, with my baby girl. Um, you know, I'm just trying to make her smile and laugh all day and, you know, throw her up in the air. But with KJ, you know, to answer your question, as far as reaching out for help, you know, right now, I'm not really teaching him to ask for help. Um, like, this is the time where I'm teaching him. Again, he's four. But it's like, you fall down, get up. You know, if you if you're trying to ask for something, if your first resort is is asking or whining or crying, you're not gonna get what you want. Just because, you know, 
you want a toy and we're at the store, you're not about to get it. You know, you don't get everything you want in life. Um, I don't care how many times you cry. If you fall out on this floor, there's going to be a problem on your own, um, especially if we're in public. So, I'm, I, I mean, I'm teaching him right now to be, you know, self-sufficient. I'm not going to use the, the phrase, you know, self-made, but just um, I'm kind of instilling that pride in him to get up on your own two feet and figure it out. Yeah. I do think... Um, you know, we, we live in a society right now, especially you guys can probably relate to a lot of your friends where you guys consider yourselves go-getters, right? And there's a reason for that. And it takes pride to be a go-getter. But there's also a lot of folks that, you know, their first instinct is handout. So, and those that, and if your first instinct is handout, and if you don't have a, if you don't come from a family of wealth or or you know friends that are going to string you along with their success you know you're going to be you know asked out at the end of the day so yeah. long answer but right now i'm trying to teach him to be self-sufficient dude that's great and uh it's funny that you we bring this up right now because during this crisis right uh, my dad also has a business and you know, you see the unemployment numbers that are just crazy. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, I'm not trying to say that, you know, they didn't get fired or anything, but some people that work for my dad are trying to get fired so that they can get a handout. And, you know, you, you look at it and you're like, damn, like what is wrong with people? You know, but it's, it's kind of how people are raised and kind of how people are taught. And so uh, you answering that question, Omar's question, I don't think it's, you started it with, unfortunately, I don't think it's unfortunate. I think it's the way you want to raise your kid and how you want to mold him to not only contribute to society, but really build his life in a way where he doesn't need to depend on anyone. He doesn't need to rely on anyone. And I'm sure you'll teach him a lesson down the line. Like, Hey, as long as you're working hard, you know, and you surround yourself with good people, they'll still, they'll still be there to help you. It's just as long as you've done the necessary legwork to make sure you've done all you can. Um, and yeah, I would no, never, and, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head, you know, and I'll even take it a step deeper. Um, you know, but I'll just, you know, be honest to where I'm coming from. You know, I'm raising, you know, a black boy in America. You know, he, he has to be tough. He has to be, and I'm not just talking about physically tough. He has to be, you know, mentally and spiritually tough for, you know, what he's going to endure out here. You know, right now he is protected um, as a child, you know, in this world. Uh, But my son, you know, again, he's four, but he's wearing six and 17 clothing. So he already looks older. He's a big boy. That's a big boy. (laughs) And you know, when we're in public and he's acting like a four-year-old or a three-year-old a few months ago, you know, I had folks looking, or you, you see the eyes on you like, why is this six or seven-year-old crying right now? It's like, no, he's three or he's four. But again, that's the, that's the stigma of being a black child, a big child um, that he's going to have to deal with. 
Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of things that I'm making sure, you know, I'm not over, um, I'm not overdoing it. You know, he still gets love. He still gets my attention. Um, but at the same time, I have to make sure that he's equipped for the world that he's going to embark on. Mm. Yeah, man, I think that's, uh, I think that's super important. Uh, uh, with that, you know, with that experience, it's very unique to, uh, you know, black people in the United States. That's a, that's something also that's like, you know, it's crazy to think about. It's, it is a very, very unique thing to this country. Uh, yeah. And, you know, to, to a small group of people in this country. So, well, not, not that small group of people. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's very interesting hearing, um, you know, how aware you are of that in your parenting as well. Uh, you know, from, from somebody who comes from a multicultural background. I, I like hearing things like this because I think it's important for us to all remember the world that we live in. It's, it's not all puppies and rainbows and balloons and, and, you know, kids, if they think that, then usually later on in life, uh, you know, there are some shortcomings that come along with that kind of uh, perception of, of reality. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, man. That, and yeah, I, I like, I like talking about these things because it is a unique perspective, right? And a lot of people may not understand it, but a lot of people may understand it. And the way you approach things may seem different to other people or like, I wouldn't do that. They're just a kid. But it's like, let's, let's still be realistic here. This is the world, like you guys said, that we live in. Uh, you know, obviously, Kelvin, you should, you should not just throw your son out of the way while you're trying to watch Kobe highlights. Uh, but <laughs> I know you're teaching him. I remember you sending us a video of you teaching him like words and letters when he was like, I think less than a year old. And so, you know, that made me happy a couple of years ago. And I'm like, what? That kid isn't even one yet. Like, how's he know all these things? And so yeah, he's got a, he's got a big brain inside that big body. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I mean, KJ is, you know, not to just continue to harp on my son because my daughter is amazing as well. But KJ is literally the smartest kid, you know, in his classroom. His teachers aren't just saying that, you know, just to say it. You know, I see it, you know, uh, especially when I was dropping him off in school um, and I'd stay back to watch or, you know, pop in early to see what he's doing. And I mean, the, the work that we put in early on and that we're still putting in, you know, it's giving him that advantage. <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, moving my, you know, my son out the way to, to watch TV. You know, one thing that I've definitely tried that me, one thing that me and Ruth, not just myself, but me and Ruth are very conscious of as parents are our screen time, mm-hmm. right? And I say screen time pre-coronavirus, <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> Right now, we have to be in front of our computers and we have to be constantly monitoring our phones because we're both full-time employees and we are both, you know, taking care of our children right now while working. And, you know, making sure that we're still putting them first with their activities, their education, um, you know, their interactions with, with, the, with, each other, with us and themselves. 
So, but long story short, with the screen time, we don't play. I mean, when it comes to the amount of screen time that they watch, it's, it's minimal. Uh, we rarely turn on the TV for them. Uh, we try to, you know, give them, we try to give them as much um, eye contact, eye contact as possible. I don't remember where I read this, but. I like that. Um, but when a child, see, gets eye contact from their parents and consistent eye contact from their parents, they feel valued. So whenever I catch myself not giving them eye contact, I feel their eyes on me looking for it, mm. you know? And when I am giving them eye contact, they, it, they're less likely to act out. They're less likely to, you know, misbehave or be searching for attention because I'm giving it to them mm. and vice versa with Ruth. Well, we, we got to start doing, Samer, we got to start doing like the funk flex bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drop the bombs. That's, that's um... or something. Sure, that's that's deep. I mean, this is you know, obviously we're not dads, and these are some things I know over the first three episodes we've learned from you, Ruff, and Jerry about these things to consider. I mean, you know, I, I think it's screen time. I get a notification on my iPhone. It's like you've been in front of the screen on average of X amount of hours. I'm not going to release that, but uh, <laughs> I'm like damn, what? And just being more mindful of that and understanding that. And again, um, just trying to think of my nephews and nieces, right? Obviously, when coronavirus kind of calms down and I can actually see them again, just being more mindful of that and being more aware that, hey, it's not about just sitting them in front of the TV. It's actually interacting with them, making sure they're engaged with you. Um, that's that's great, man. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're so crazy about screen time that Again, this is pre-coronavirus, but when I got home, when I used to get home from work, um, got home, I would go upstairs, change out of my clothes, I put my cell phone on my nightstand, and then I'm downstairs with the kids and with the wife, eating dinner outside, you know, playing, whatever, all day. Kids go down to sleep, you know, my wife gets in the shower, um, I then get my phone and I might work out, I might, you know, text some folks back, call my mom. But I, I in my in my mind, I was just away from my, my kids seven or eight hours. I was just away from my wife seven or eight hours on a screen for obviously for work, but I'm not about to come home and then scroll through Instagram, scroll through Twitter, or just be on my phone and not present with them when talked to you about this the other day, Samer. Um, you know, if we, I'm about to be 30 in four days. If I'm on this earth another 60 years, I'd be 90. 60 years is not even a long time, mm -hmm. right? So to, so to think about it from that perspective, it's like when I look back on my life, do I want to have memories of me being on my cell phone or me being with my family. Mm. Yeah, man. Well, you know, we, we wouldn't be mad at you if you uh, took a little time away from the family for the Dad's Night Instagram and Twitter accounts. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. But, but no, yeah, that's, that's a cool thing to be. Uh, and people, other people have mentioned this too, you know, in, in speaking to them uh, about 
you know, being conscious of, of that, you know, balance between, you know, that online and offline life, man. It's, it's a, it's a tough thing to balance even for somebody without kids. I mean, it's, it's a, it can be, it can be difficult. It can get difficult sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit. And I think Omar wanted to ask, uh, kind of a question about, um, your background and then potentially KJ or Carmen's future. So I'll pass it over to Omar. Oh, well, yeah. Thank you for getting back to this. The, we, the conversation got away from me, but, uh, you know, we didn't talk much about how you guys played ball. Kelvin played, uh, you know, in Europe professionally for a little bit in France, I believe. Right. Um, yeah. you're, you're both, and you both played uh, for Delaware. Uh, at one point, um, you're both pretty much washed up now, but <laughs> for sure, uh, we're awful. We're awful. <laughs> but okay, well, I, don't worry. We won't talk about that pickup game the night before Kelvin's wedding and my performance in that. We'll just leave that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, we can do a couple a, buckets. I got a couple buckets. We get we can do a dad's night short for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, but but. Um, I mean, dude, you mentioned, you know, you at one point when you came back from, from playing in Europe, you know, you, you had your master's and you wanted to use your mind uh, instead of using your body as a profession. Um, and I thought it was super cool the way you, you put that, by the way. But with your kids, I mean, how would you feel about them pursuing professional sports? Like, you, you know, would you obviously... Uh, aside from, you know, wanting to encourage, you know, like education and things like that, which it sounds like is totally at the forefront of your parenting anyway. Um, but, you know, it can take a, a physical toll on people as well. And uh, which both of you, I'm sure, um, know with some injuries that you sustained over the years. Uh, you know, how do you feel about your kids wanting to pursue professional sports like that? Yeah, no, I mean, um, so that, I mean, this is going to be a complex answer, right? But so, but I'm going to try to be honest. So, like you said, I got a chance to play professional basketball for a little bit at a at a very low level um, when it comes to professional sports, right? But had the opportunity, but I also had four surgeries in college um, while at Delaware. So, going through those injuries at Delaware made me again, shift focus and try to figure out, okay, obviously I'm not about to go to the NBA now, right? Obviously I, don't, I might not have a long career overseas. You know, what can, now can I start focusing on to, you know, again, um, be that anchor for my family. And I say that to say, you know, with my children, I, I would, you know, I would love for them to pursue you know, sports, have fun in sports. Um, but at the same time, they're going to grow up with a lot. They're going to grow up a lot different than I did in regards to their exposure. So, you know, my parents uh, on both sides, um, they come from extremely humble beginnings in America, right? And then even if you take a step back from them, you know, my mother's, my, excuse me, my grandmother on both sides, their, their grandmothers were slaves, right? And then their parents were first generation, not slaves. Then my grandparents, then my parents, and now me. 
So when you think about it from that perspective, it's like, all right, they had a long way to go for me to even get the opportunities I had. So I want to start off by saying that. But the exposure that I had was I, both my parents were in the military and that's how they got out of their circumstance of where they came from. So growing up, I only knew military and the only other successful black people that I got a chance to see were on television playing professional sports. I had no clue what an engineer was. I had no clue. You know, everybody says, all right, you can either be a doctor or a lawyer. I had no clue what a lawyer was growing up, but you know, you hear those type of things. <clears throat> and um, again, I say all that to say, I just wasn't exposed to what is even available or out there. You know, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was, didn't know what a banker was. I didn't know any of these type of people growing up. The only, again, the only successful people that I saw that were black were in the military. And I wouldn't even consider them like successful, but when you own a home, you have a car, you, you can, you know, the electricity's on, you're not on welfare, you're not a factory, you know, worker. Um, I can I consider that success because that's where, you know, my family's humble beginnings come from. <clears throat> Long story short, my children, you know, I have a completely different vision for the both of them, right? I would like to personally set up things um, in a, from a financial standpoint, such as like having, you know, either real estate or businesses to whereas when they grow up, they're aware of the economy they live in, they're aware of finances, they're financially literate, they're aware of um, where they can be impactful in the world. And ultimately they are, again, hopefully if I can do this for them, put them in a position to whereas they don't have to choose a job or career for money they can choose a job or career for their passion or what they really want to be impactful of, you know, with or for, for, um, but I mean, if KJ wants to, you know, go, make it to the NBA and collect <laughs> his bread, you know, we're all the way down for that. If he is six, eight, when he is 15 years old, trust and believe we're going to be waking up early in the morning and getting some work in. Um, <laughs> You, you but, might be able to you might be able to declare that early nowadays. I mean, those those guaranteed sure. contracts are looking real nice in the NBA. Crazy. I mean, they're going to be by the time he gets of age, you know, there's going to be five six hundred million dollar four or five year contract just based on the way that you know this thing is going. Mm -hmm. um, but again, he's not growing up thinking the NBA is a ticket out or a ticket to success. Mm. He's going to be growing and, and Carmen too, growing up knowing, you know, making smart financial decisions and owning assets that can pay for my lifestyle and then make money while I sleep is the most important thing to set up so that, you know, I can do what I want to do after I've already set these things up for my life. Mm. That's, that's great. I mean, you talk about awareness, you talk about just educating your kids to understand the opportunities. Um, 
I mean, that's critical, right? And I know we talked about this. You talk about they'll just do whatever their passion is, right? And if their passion is uh, to be a social worker, right, impacting communities, they can do that and not have to worry about money because that's taken care of. Um, one of the things that, you know, I wanted to ask you about specifically is your interest in personal finance, right? Knowing you and basically what I just heard there on, you know, your answer to professional sports, um, a few years ago, you wanted the nicest Gucci belt out there, all right? Uh, and I'm talking only a few years ago, right? Um, but I think you've done an amazing job over the past several years to educate yourself on financial, being financially literate. Um, I think you've also done a good job with your wife as well. Do you think having the kid was the main, uh, was the main factor of shifting that? Or do you think I would have eventually got to this point? Oh man, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I would have gotten to this point without my children. So I would say they are definitely impactful. Um, you know, but how do I even answer? How do I even answer this question? So, you know, it really goes back to exposure, right? So again, I grew up, um, I grew up around, you know, family members and even my own family, um, not being extremely well off financially, right? You know, we will, you know, come from humble beginnings. Um, there's levels of being of humble beginnings. Like we were nowhere near struggling or dirt poor or anything like that. Like we have money to provide. We have food in, in the grocery, in our, our cabinets. We can go grocery store. We, you know, we got, we had Christmas presents. So again, we grew up fine, but I still grew up in an environment where just, just being honest, you know, black people in general, we, we, uh, we wear our wealth, right? Uh, we, we, we've, our community has been, you know, brainwashed to think that, you know, having a nice car and having a nice house and having nice clothes is the, I made it, right? Versus, you know, what, what is making it is, no, I can afford the house that I live in and I can afford the car that I drive and I can afford the clothes that I wear and I have not just a rainy day savings, but I have more than enough, you know, monies put away or invested um, to prepare for life after work. Or, you know, I've set up things for, hey, if something happens to me, you know, my children and my wife will still be fine. So I say all that to say that I didn't grow up around that, you know. I didn't know what life insurance was. I didn't, none of that. You know, I'm, I'm going back to my family right now telling them like, hey, all this stuff that they've been brainwashing us for years is BS. Like that Louis bag is not worth it. Mm -hmm. That, you know, those high-end Jordans that, you know, my community is still buying up, like no tomorrow is not worth it. Um, but again, that all came from adjusting to a very stressful situation. I went from, um, again, not making a lot of money as a professional athlete, but, you know, living good to the point where I could 
buy things and I didn't have bills or I didn't have any responsibilities. So I can go blow a check and be just fine because I'm going to get another one the next month. Mm-hmm. But when you have a kid, when you have bills, and on top of that, um, when you can, when you can't, af- um, when you can't afford your child, and I say that like with humility, but there was a there was a point in time where, you know, I was working, Ruth was working, we're in D.C. and thank God for my mother-in-law, um, she literally stayed with us for six months, to you know, help us get, you know, off to a good start. But as soon as she had to go back home to North Carolina to take care of my husband, me and Ruth were literally trying to figure out, okay, after rent, after bills, after the car, after groceries, we don't have enough to put him in daycare. We don't have enough for a nanny. Like, what what is going on here? We're not about to just send him anywhere, you know, to watch our children. But unfortunately, that's the reality a lot of people are faced with that have children that um, they're not prepared for, right? And again, that's the predicament that we were in. But God willing, we learned lessons through it. It's like, okay, what can we cut back? How do we start budgeting? What is this? What is that? Where's money going? How does money even work? Um, what is credit? Oh, what is what is debt? What uh, what is all these things that I had no clue about? Um, but you know, I, it, having a child and having a child in a very stressful um, financial situation, and it wasn't stressful that like me and Ruth didn't have great jobs, but we had okay jobs. And we had a child um, in the one of the most expensive areas in America. Yeah, <laughs> DC ain't a cheap place to live. That's for damn sure. Yeah, no, I mean, just even in I remember when we started looking at daycares that we wanted to send KJ to. We went and saw this daycare. Not and again, not trying to be long winded. We went and saw the daycare in Rockville, and it was literally twenty five hundred dollars a month. And and we were like, what? And then Ruth was like, well, why did we even go here? I was like, I could have swore the website said $250 a week. <laughs> like, that, that's the only reason we ended up here. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to squint your eyes next time you went on there. You're like, wait, oh, it did say $2,500. Uh, right. Right, and it's just like, yo, that's crazy, you know? So then it, then it turns to home daycares and it's like, man, you don't even want to put your child in a home daycare without video footage and all these things. But, you know, home daycares are fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 a month in um, DC, in the DC, Maryland area. And it's like, like, so for folks that, you know, don't have kids, they can't relate. These are numbers that, you know, when folks, when folks tell me, or when my friends are like, Hey man, you know, I'm, I definitely want a kid. I'm like, all right, you know, are you prepared? I, I think so. He's like, all right, well, for the next couple of months, just put $1,500 away. And then just be and then just be prepared that, like, once your child gets here and once you have to, you know, put them in a, you know, for child, you have to put them away for childcare or put them in a, 
you know, daycare or uh, have a nanny. Like that's the money that you're, you know, pushing out the door that you're not getting back at all. Yeah. You know, folks, I think I've heard somebody say that was uneducated on the situation was like, hey, you'll get a portion of that back for um, your taxes. I know there's a cap. So if I spent $15,000 over the course of a year for childcare, the cap is four grand. Damn. So I'm, I can write, I can, you know, put towards my taxes $4,000 and now see a portion of four grand back. Wow. For my child, not the 15,000. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could get that $15,000 back. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's crazy. And we might need to start a personal finance segment featuring Kelvin. Uh, yeah, you crazy. Because I, just, <laughs> because I just also realized I don't know shit. So. <laughs> no, but again, like I said, like you said, like you said with the question, Sam, you know, did having KJ or having a child, you know, change my it changed my entire world. It changed my world from a health standpoint, from a financial standpoint. Um, you know, how I view time, you know, like pre-kid, it's like, wow, I had so much time. Now it's like your day is literally chopped into pieces that you have to um, not make the best out of, but the hour or two that you get to yourself is dependent on the sacrifice that you make. Like if I wanted, if I want an hour to work out, it either has to be late at night or at four or five in the morning before the kids wake up and before my wife wakes up because I'm not going to work out while my children are awake. Yeah. If I want to read, it's either going to be early in the morning or late at night because I'm not going to not spend time with my children to read because at the end of the day, when, you, when you're in a relationship with your wife, or excuse me, when you're in a relationship and you're raising children, whether you're married or not, like somebody somewhere is watching your child. Mm -hmm. It's either you or your wife or your parents or somebody else, but it's up to you at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So like, what are you doing with your time to make sure that you're still you know, giving them their time when, when it's needed. Yeah. Damn. I don't think I'm ready for a kid. I thought I wanted to have a kid, but I, I'll, I'll wait a couple of years. But I'm going to be a good crazy. dad when it comes. It's a blessing, man. It's still yeah. a blessing. It's literally going to force you to be the best version of Samer. It's either going to force you to be the best version of Samer and Omar, or it is going to uh, – you know, reveal who you really are. Well, I've seen some of the worst versions of Omar, so we'll probably stay away from that one. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so we're about an hour in almost. Um, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, yeah, Kelvin, you've, you've dropped a lot, of, a lot of gems here, and I know I've learned a lot uh, from a financial perspective as well. I've also learned that having a kid and just the way you're raising your kid it's different than others too, um, which is good. It's a good thing to have. And that's the whole reason about dad's night. Um, and so we normally go through three questions. Um, since we're almost at an hour, we'll quickly go through 
uh, two of them because I think one of them is super important. Um, so the first one is, what is the best thing about fatherhood? Or um, what's one of your best memories about fatherhood so far? We'll let you pick uh, out of those two. Man, too many memories to, to go down that path. <laughs> but I'll say the best thing about fatherhood is, man, that's a tough question. I think the best thing about fatherhood is just, I, I can't even describe in words what love and self-sacrifice really means <clears throat> because before you have a kid you don't even you don't even know what it's like to love someone more than you love yourself all right so like you might love you like all of us i'm sure our moms bullies right we love our moms to death i know this is dad's night but moms are always the best period shout out to the moms yeah there are no dads <laughs> like, like moms are the best and um we love our moms to death i mean we love them but you don't love your mom more than you love yourself you just don't i don't care what you say what anybody says when your child is born this human being is more important than you this human being is it's it's mind-blowing how much you love this uh this little thing and it's like yeah i can i think that's the best thing about being a dad that you learn to love someone more than you love yourself um and it just paints a different perspective on life in general mm. and what life actually means damn that's cool, dude. Whew. All right, we'll drop another one of the bombs real quick. Bang! <laughs> yeah, another one right there for sure. <laughs> drop the bombs. Nah, that's damn. That's that's awesome, man. Um, whew. that's a that's a good answer. Uh, and obviously, we can't fathom that yet. Um, uh, but one day we will. One day we will, and we'll revisit this episode. And be like, damn, Kel, I know what you mean. I know what you mean now. For sure. It's I'm crazy. This episode and ask him how to do my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm not a tax professional, not a CPA, so I was just throwing out ball, I was just throwing out ballpark numbers. We're gonna have to put a disclaimer at the end of this episode. None of this is investment <laughs> advice. <laughs> Invest at your own risk. <laughs> um, okay, and then the last question. Uh again, this has been fun. So uh this is a tough one as well. So if you had to give one piece of advice to another dad, a soon-to-be dad, or someone that wants to be a dad in the future, what would that piece of advice be? Mm. Yeah, and again, this is something we're asking everybody mm. uh, at the end of each episode. Wow. Um, man, I think there is... If I had to give somebody a piece of advice that was about to be a dad, you said, or wanted to be a dad, so they're not a dad yet, right? Either a dad wants to be a dad or is going to be a dad soon. All right, so I'll break it out into three parts. So somebody that is a dad, the advice that I would give them is to, you know, take advantage of this opportunity. 
um, even though I'm, again, I'm relatively young in the grand scheme of things, right? But I can remember when high school felt like it flew by and it's like, man, I wish I could go back in time and be a high school sophomore again. Mm-hmm. College, that's long gone. Man, I wish I could go back, you know, to the towers and, and run up on Sam or some more and, and have more fun in, at Delaware. That's long and gone. I don't sit up and, you know, 20 years from now think, damn, I, I wish I would have, you know, been a better dad or been more present or spent more time with my children. Because this thing of life is is precious. So for the, the for the my advice for the people that are dads is just, hey, be present. For the people that um, are about to be a dad, you know, I would tell them to, you know, worry less, right? Um, there is, there's always going to be a time of uncertainty as you're a dad in each stage and phase that, that they, that your children go through. Um, but you got to learn to worry less. You have to, you know, being a dad, being a husband, um, shoot, being alive as a human being is stressful. It just is for everybody. So now you throw in this kid and all the uncertainty with that, you know, you can catch yourself stressing out over things that aren't even that big of a deal. And same for moms. So just worry less. And then for the folks that want to be a dad, I would say um, to, to make sure you're doing things the right way. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are dads. I mean, every single person on this earth has a dad. There isn't, there isn't that many fathers though, right? There isn't that many husbands who are great fathers or vice versa. So if you want to, if you want to be a dad, I would say, you know, make sure you're, you're doing things the right way. This woman that you want to have a child with, you know, do you plan to be with her? You know, do you plan to support her? Do you plan to love her? Because, you know, the relationship that you have with the mother of your child is going to be extremely impactful on your child and the relationship you have with your child. So do you, you know, what are your intentions with this woman? Do you plan to marry this woman? Um, okay, if you if this is the person that you're in love with, this is the person that you plan to support, this is the person that you plan to marry, okay? If you want to have a child and have a child, and just make sure that you and your wife are on the same page or the person that you, you know, falling in love with, they don't necessarily have to want a child. Um, I don't think me or Ruth were looking for a child, but, you know, Ruth is a special person. So she... Like pre-kid, she made me a better person. During, you know, or you know, being a father now, she's making me a better father. She supports me, she pushes me. Um, my relationship with her is critical to where I am right now as a human being, um, as a spirit on this earth. So the person that you choose to lay down with and have a child is a big deal. So if you want to be a dad, that needs to be your focus on the who you plan to have a child with. Mm. Damn. 
Hell yeah. We, and we love you, Ruth, by the way. Yeah. You know, sure. it's, it's dad's night, but it ain't a real dad's night unless we're giving a shout out to the moms out here. That's, that's yeah. for sure. And I had to make sure I left on that note. Cause. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to the last uh, 10 seconds of the episode, babe. <laughs> right. Hey, hey. Just, uh, just finished the podcast. I think they posted it. <laughs> listen to the last couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, honestly, this has been so, so fun, Cal. Uh, I, this is it's, – it's good to see – like we said on our other episodes, it's good to see a different side of our friends that we normally get to see. Yeah. Um, seeing the, the side of you as a, as a dad, right, understanding – what you've gone through, how you kind of shifted your whole life to just make sure that your kids are set and your family is set. It's honestly just awesome to hear. Um, Omar, do you want to add anything else before we uh, kind of wrap this up? I mean, I mentioned before, you know, how, how inspiring it was to see Kelvin's uh, transformation just like immediately. Um, but I think as we move through these men in a selfish way, like this is, this is really cool for me because it's, it's very motivating, you know, hearing, hearing this kind of perspective on life uh, and, and new life and, and mentoring that life and how it affects you personally. And it's, it's just really cool, man. This was great, Kelvin. No, I appreciate you guys. Seriously, you know, I think this is a great idea, a great concept. Um, you know, who knows where it's going to go, but you know, if it does go, go the distance and, you know, turn it into something special, um, you know, I'll be honest, I saw it because, like I said, this is a really good idea and concept. I do want to leave, though, with the book recommendation. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us a book. Give us a book. So I get two books. So, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book from a, uh, from a financial literacy standpoint, but from a, you know, uh, like a more interpersonal, um, I'll say spiritual book has been something I'm reading now is, uh, is Ram Dass, The uh, Journey of Awakening, and super powerful. It's a, it's a meditation guide um, that kind of speaks on, you know, controlling your inner thoughts, being more present, like all the things we were talking about earlier, um, being not just present physically, mentally spiritually what that means in, in every moment because your presence and uh, how you go about your day is really going to determine you know how beautiful your life is mm. right we all remember like we all know what robot mode is like get off the phone do do your routine how many times have we ate dinner and been like, damn, I don't even remember what it tastes like because I just scarfed that shit down. <laughs> like now being present in what you're doing is, all right, let me, when I take this bite, I'm really focusing on the taste, the texture. And when you do that with everything in life, you know, life is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kel. That, that's honestly great. And, you know, you talk about scarfing food down. You should see Omar late night at a McDonald's. <laughs> Now you guys see Omar else. Dad's night at the taco spot. <laughs> last time, last time I, I was at that drive-thru was with your boy Samers. So. Hey. And, and also, and also uh, Kelvin just started the Dad's Night Book Club. There's a lot of... <laughs> yeah. It's a, 
It's an exclusive. But uh, all right, we're going to wrap this up, man. Kelvin, you're officially out of timeout with Omar and Zammer. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Appreciate y'all, boys, man. Y'all stay up. Thank you again for joining us on Dad's Night Presents Time Out with Omar and Samer. You can listen to our podcast on pretty much any streaming service. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Dad's Night. That's D-A-D-S-N-I-T-E. You can also check out more information at dadsnight.com. Please subscribe and rate us, and we look forward to bringing another episode soon.